It is an honor to have the uh, opportunity to preach these next two days. I will do a two-day series called Hide and Seek. Today we will hide. Tomorrow we will seek. Uh, the text for today is Revelation chapter 6, verses 12 through 17. Revelation 6, 12 through 17. When he opened the sixth seal, I looked, and behold, there was a great earthquake, and the sun became black as sackcloth, the full moon became like blood, and the stars of the sky fell to the earth as the fig tree sheds its winter fruit when shaken by a gale. The sky vanished like a scroll that is being rolled up, and every mountain and island was removed from its place. Then the kings of the earth and the great ones and the generals and the rich and the powerful and everyone, slave and free, hid themselves in the caves and among the rocks of the mountains, calling to the mountains and rocks, fall on us and hide us from the face of him who is seated on the throne and from the wrath of the Lamb. For the great day of their wrath has come, and who can stand? The word of the Lord. Almighty Father, we pray that you would humble sinners and exalt the Savior by the power and grace of your Holy Spirit for the sake of Jesus Christ and his kingdom. Amen. If anyone has experience with uh, small children, if you've been a grandparent, a babysitter, or a parent yourself, you know unequivocally the first two games that every toddler and every baby learns. Number one, peekaboo. You hide behind the towel or behind the napkin, you pull it down, and the child you know, laughs hysterically. And you can play the game a thousand times in a row. And on the thousandth time, the baby will laugh as hard as they did on the first time. It never gets old for the baby. The second game is hide-and-go-seek, or as we call it, where's daddy in our house. And the way the game goes is the child goes and hides, and parent counts to ten, and you look around for about two seconds, and you see the child, and you pretend for another two minutes, you know, like you aimlessly do not see the child anywhere. Uh, and then you say, oh, there you are. I didn't see you hiding behind the blade of grass over there. <laughs> I find it interesting that the first two games that every baby learns involves concealing themselves. It involves hiding. And it doesn't take much biblical study to see where we inherit this nature. In page 2 of my Bible, Genesis chapter 3, third, page, third chapter of the entire Bible, we see Adam and Eve's reaction after they have disobeyed God. They run to the woods and they hide. Well, this text today is over a thousand chapters later. It's 16 chapters from the end of 1,189 chapters. And again, we have an apocalyptic game of hide and seek. Revelation chapter 6 portrays the unveiling of six scrolls. And the text here, 12 through 17, depicts the second coming of Christ. That may be a little confusing to you because most people are accustomed to hearing about the second coming of Christ at the very end of Revelation in chapter 21 and 22. But Revelation is a circular book and some of the same events are portrayed multiple times. And this is the first time that the second coming of Christ is portrayed. And it is an absolutely surreal scene. The sun is turning black. The moon has turned blood red. 
The stars are falling from the sky, and the sky itself is collapsing. And the people are running. They're running for the caves, and they're screaming for the boulders of the mountains to fall upon them to protect them from the wrath of God. They do what human, doing, human beings do most naturally and do best. They hide. And whether it is through work, through phones, through vacations, through social media, alcohol, drugs, busyness, hiding is one of the most natural parts of our human DNA. Today, we will deconstruct the objects of our hiding. We will examine the damage of hiding. And we will look to the thing that can deliver us from a life of hiding. First, the objects of our hiding, what are the things that we hide from? We see in Revelation 6 that there are three things that people primarily hide from and that we do too. The first is uh, we see that in the unraveling of the six different scrolls, there is the introduction of all kinds of terrifying calamities. There is death by pestilence and famine and wild beasts and violence. And quite simply, the people are hiding from pain and suffering. Uh, several years ago, I went to the doctor uh, for a checkup, and I, uh, uh, there was an older gentleman there with his daughter, and his daughter was giving him a talking to. And she said, Dad, this time you're going to tell the doctor everything. And the, uh, the daughter explained to the receptionist that her father had twice gone to the doctor with moderate chest pain and had declined to disclose that to the physician. And the receptionist said, sir, this is serious. Like, you have to tell the doctor things like this. And the man said, if I tell him, he's going to make me have surgery. And surgery hurts. Uh, he was hiding from physical pain at the threat of his life, I might add. Uh, but most of us spend most of our time hiding from emotional pain. Uh, I have a friend, and he, uh, an older friend, and he had talked about how when he was a child, uh, one of his siblings, siblings died. And the family's unwritten rule was that they would never mention the child again. And so 40, for 40 years, the way that the family hid from the pain of mourning and grief was just to pretend that the child had never been born. Now, secondly, we see that the people in Revelation 6 are hiding from condemnation and judgment. The great earthquake referenced in verse 12 alludes to a cosmic earthquake in Isaiah 24 where there is judgment throughout the world. And the people themselves, they cry, they ask to be hidden from the wrath of the Lamb for the day of his wrath has come. Now, we in this room have never hidden from an apocalyptic kind of judgment like these people are hiding from. Uh, but I would say that so much of our human behavior is hiding from the threat of judgment and rejection. I have a friend who is a, a youth pastor in North Carolina. He told me the story of a teenager, uh, a middle schooler who was socially awkward. Imagine that. Never seen that one before. Um, but he was not particularly comfortable in his own skin. So he would come to youth group with earphones in. And if he saw his best buddy, he would take out the earphones and he would talk to his friend. But if his best buddy was not there, then he would keep the music in for the entire youth group session and leave. 
so finally they talked about it and he asked the kid, you know, what, what is, what's going on with the earphones? And the kid was really honest. He said, I'm just so certain that if I engage, you know, anyone else in the room that they're going to reject me. So he was hiding behind the music in his ears. I think a fair percentage of Facebook and Instagram behavior can be explained as a, an implicit form of hiding from judgment and rejection of other people. Uh, if we can post perfect pictures of our perfect children on our perfect vacation with our perfect weekend or perfect holiday, then no one will be able to find out how terribly imperfect we actually are and we can escape the, uh, the, the judgment of our neighbor. Finally, third form uh, of hiding is hiding from God himself. In verse 13 through 14, the stars in the sky are falling. So the very thing, the very barrier between man and God has collapsed. And now the people are exposed and they must face God face to face. And they scream, hide us from the face of him who is seated on the throne. Last year, I had a conversation with a friend of mine named Colin Hansen, who is the editor-in-chief of an online publication called the Gospel Coalition. And I asked him, Colin, what would you say is the philosophical question of this century so far? And he said back to me, who cares? I thought he had uh, misunderstood me, or maybe he was blowing me off. But he said, no, 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 that's the question. The philosophical question of the century is, who cares? And he was talking about a level of existential and philosophical apathy, apathy that younger people in particular tend to demonstrate. How many people, particularly people under the age of 50, uh, have never wrestled with any of the big existential questions? Where did I come from? What am I doing here? What's going to happen to me when I die? Who is God? Does God love me? Does God accept me? Does he reject me? So on and so forth. And a lot of times this philosophical apathy is just a way of hiding from God himself. Now on the other end of the spectrum, there are people who are very, very religious. They go through church their entire life. They are involved in every committee. They come every Sunday. They serve left and right. And yet they have never had an encounter with God. They have never entered in to a real relationship with Jesus. And so their religious activity functions as a way of hiding from encountering God himself. In this story, we can all see an image or a reflection of ourselves. We can all see different ways that we, we work to hide in our own lives. And we can also see so flagrantly the self-destruction that is going on in the story, which takes us to the second point, which is hiding does damage to our hearts and to our relationships. In the climax of Revelation 6, we are witnessing complete madness. The people are running from God and they are screaming for boulders, boulders from mountains to fall upon them as the ideal way of hiding from God, as the ideal form of protection. And we can look at this from the outside and say, this is crazy. Being pulverized by thousands of pounds of rocks is not going to be effective. Uh, however, many of us, all of us, have mechanisms for hiding in our own lives that seem totally normal to us. 
They're just the, the rhythm of our lives. And yet, people on the outside can see that these are deliberate forms of avoidance in our own life. Uh, is billing more hours a way of hiding from a challenging home life? Is dragging your feet on finishing your will or getting life insurance just a way of hiding from the reality that you actually are going to die one day? Is being so busy, we're just so, so, so busy, right? Is that really just a way of hiding from the reality that if you sat down for an hour in silence, you would have to encounter lots of disappointment and depression and despair. We all have our hiding places, and we all need people to help us identify them, and we need the Lord to bring us out of them. For myself, one of my many hiding places is the Real Clear Politics app on my phone. Uh, if you have small children, if you're in my boat right now, you are familiar with what my god brother, god brother Robbie Colvin refers to as the power hour. The power hour is when you, you if you're a man and you, or a woman, whoever you are, sorry, I need to be gender inclusive here, of course, um, but when you come home from work and ahead of you are three hours where you are going to play with your kids, you're going to feed them, you're going to bathe them, you're going to put their special lotions on, you're going to give them a bottle, you're going to tell them a story, and one out of two times you're going to fall asleep in their bed. Those three hours are more exhausting than the previous 15 hours of life combined. And my temptation when I cross through the threshold is to sit down and to pull out my phone and to read article after article about current events and politics. What could be more comforting than reading about politics these days, right? Um, Really good hiding place, rocks falling on me. Uh, But anyhow, and so this is a hiding place for me. And it seems subtle, it seems innocuous, but in reality, think of the potential damage I can be doing as a parent and as a spouse. I have an older friend who, he has a similar struggle, and he told me about when his son was in elementary school. The teachers had them draw a picture of an object that reminded them of their dad. And his son came home with a picture of a cell phone. I don't want that to be the picture that my kids draw of me. But if I cannot come out of hiding, I run the risk of being an absent, distracted dad and being an unhelpful parent. So there's been a lot of bad news in this, in this sermon so far. But what is, the question is, what is the thing that can deliver us from a life of hiding? What is the thing that can give us freedom and relief? Well, in chapter Revelation 7, right after this, we see that there is another group of people, and they are observing the exact set of circumstances as the people in chapter 6. Yet instead of being filled with terror, they are rejoicing. They are filled with joy. Those in chapter 6 are running away from God. The people in chapter 7 are running towards God. The people in chapter 6 are shouting screams of terror, and the people in chapter 7 are shouting shouts of joy and praise. The people in chapter 6 see their impending doom, and the people in chapter 7 see their imminent salvation. What is the difference? Well, one of the elders in heaven asked this question. What is the difference? Who are these people in the white robes? And John says, you know the answer. And indeed, the elder says, they have been washed They have washed their robes and made them white in the blood of the Lamb. The make-or-break difference in those who are hiding and those who are rejoicing is the blood of the Lamb. They have been painted white 
with the blood of Jesus shed on the cross. All of their sins have been forgiven. All of their imperfections have been made right. And all of God's judgment has been removed. And the same blood that delivers these saints from a life of hiding is the same blood that delivers you and me from a life of hiding. The blood of the lamb enables you to emerge from hiding and suffer, hiding from suffering and pain because you have the hope of redemption. You can look back to your salvation and you can see how the Lord has ultimately redeemed you. And you can look forward to any pain and suffering that could come your way and know that the Lord can and will deliver you. Christ has set you free. The blood of the Lamb brings you out of hiding from judgment because all of God's judgment that could be pointed towards you has been absorbed by Jesus on the cross. The only opinion that matters, that is the opinion of God, is that of approval. And so worrying about the judgment and rejection of the people in your office or in your family or on Facebook, it doesn't matter because the Lord approves of you through Christ and you have been set free. The blood of lamb brings you out of hiding from God because if you put your faith in Christ, you're an adopted son or daughter of God. Instead of hiding, you can marvel at and enjoy the beauty and the majesty of Jesus. Now imagine, imagine this kind of freedom, this kind of freedom. Imagine not being afraid. Imagine not hiding. It is all possible because of the blood of the lamb. The gospel turns the tables on hiding. Instead of crying for a rock to fall on you to protect you, Jesus is your rock. Jesus is the rock that stands between you and God's judgment so that all you receive from God is love. The gospel turns the tables on hiding. As the apostle Paul says in Colossians 3, you have died and are hidden with Christ in God. Christ has become your hiding place. Christian and non-Christian alike, hide yourself in Christ and you will never have to hide from life ever again. Let us pray. Almighty God, we pray that you would glorify yourself in us. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen.